what's kind of evolved over the years is this idea of can you have it all <laughs> and I don't think you can something that I'm kind of making my peace with is that there are always going to be ebbs and flows there might be balance there might be harmony at times but there are going to be times when work needs more of your time and attention and there's certainly going to be more times where your family needs more of your time and attention and those things are never going to coexist in in perfect 50 50 there's always going to be this this ebb and this flow and this recalibration and this sense of am i do i'm doing my best in both of those spaces and i i don't really know what that looks like so as i said it's a work in progress Welcome to Let's Listen with Kieran McBreen. My name's Andrew and I'm here with Kieran. How are you today? Andrew, I'm wonderful. I'm feeling very fresh after our eventful morning. And tell us a little bit about that. What did we do today? Well, we got a group of men together um, with an objective of just having fun, doing something different. And um, we did some team building activities. We did some uh, breath work, we did some visualizations. And uh, we finished it off with a very mentally challenging and physically challenging activity of ducking yourself in an ice bath for three minutes. And I made it about halfway before I went, that's just far too much like hard work. I think 20 seconds was your max. I think it was maybe 25. (laughs) It was definitely challenging. And I have to say, if I didn't have the support of everybody around me there, um, cheering me on and I suppose holding me accountable and putting the pressure on, I would have struggled. Um, I was determined to hit the three-minute mark, and uh, I'm very glad I did it. Yeah, it was good. It was good fun. And if you want to see any of the videos or photos, head over to Kieran's Instagram, which is Kieran at CMB Coach McBreen. And on today's show, we've got Helen Farmer from Dubai. Hi, Kieran. We do. Um, I've been lucky enough to be on Helen's show many times. Helen is wonderful. She's a very driven person, journalist, broadcaster, but most importantly, to Helen, mother. And the topic today, the guilt of a working mum, you know, was very close to her heart. Helen's incredibly creative with her social media. Um, so check check her social media out. She's got some great tools up there that she does with her and um, with her children. What's wonderful about Helen, Andrew, she's honest. She doesn't just put up on social media the fun things, the, the things she wants people to see but also the real things in life, the real things that uh, parents have to deal with. Yeah, it's a, it's, a really good, uh, it's a really good show, isn't it? Now, before we get into it, let's just get through the shameless plugs. Kieran, the book, the one-to-one sessions, the online course, they're all available in the show notes, aren't they? They are. Head into my, um, my Instagram and just click on the link. It'll take you to everything. And uh, yeah, just reach out my inbox as well. And also a big thank you to our sponsors, which is ISD Sports Science in Dubai. Please go along and mention the show when you go. Now, let's get back to it. This is Helen Farmer. Helen, how are you? I am well, thank you. You've caught me at the end of a, another busy day. So I think... Most working parents will know you've got your day job and then you've got the rest of your life and that's when the second job starts. So we're in that kind of middle ground right now. Great stuff, Helen. We really appreciate you coming. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got Helen Farmer here. 
uh, broadcaster and journalist and host of Dubai's number one talk radio show, Dubai Eye. Helen, what have you come here to talk about today? I have come here to express my thoughts and maybe get a bit of free therapy around being a working mum and some of the guilt associated with that. And I don't pretend to come here with answers and solutions, maybe some, but certainly not all, because I think it's still something that I'm very much uh, working through. And as all parents know, you you think you've got it sorted and then something changes. There's a different life stage or a different challenge. So it's very much an evolving process that uh, that I'm going through right now, but hopefully offering some insights into eight years of parenthood so far and what I've learned to this point. Fantastic. Uh, a topic, Helen, that so many of us can relate to, especially here in Dubai. Lots of parents, both parents working and, and chasing their tail, doing so much for the household, but unfortunately not always been fully present in the household. Absolutely. So Helen, you mentioned guilt, you mentioned challenges. Tell us, what is these uh, these challenges you experience? It might make sense to go back to where these journeys kind of converged as these two identities, I guess, as being a working woman and then where motherhood came to, came to play a part. Um, and I had this kind of quite fast track journey, I guess, to in terms of my identity in that I got engaged and married and pregnant very, very quickly together in less than a year. So I went from being the editor of a magazine, which was a really fun, really fast paced job and one that I took a huge amount of success, you know, success and fulfillment from as well, to then having my values kind of shifted and obviously the practicalities around that shifted as well. Anyone listening from the UAE will know that maternity leave is quite limited. Um, obviously, it depends a lot on the company you work for and, and the frameworks within that. But uh, for me, I had, I think it was a grand total of 45 days given to me. And I topped that up with some annual leave and with some holiday. So I had my first daughter and went back to work when she was about three and a half months old. In honesty, and this isn't something I've kind of talked about much before, I was quite ready to come back. I was I, I was ready to get back to doing something that I was good at and felt competent at, as opposed to the last three and a half months where I felt like I was just flailing and failing and enjoying it massively. But I didn't feel like I was doing what I was used to because I wasn't used to it, you know. So it, there was a certain comfort of coming back to a job that I know had missed me. And I was coming back to an issue of the magazine. I remember it was our May issue. And that was a magazine I'd always really look forward to. That particular one was all about celebrating homegrown companies. And we did this big photo shoot and it was, it was a lot of fun. I got, you know, I got a lot of enjoyment out of it. So to come back was actually great. And again, no disrespect to my infant child when she was three and a half months old, she wasn't doing a great deal. So I didn't really feel like I was missing out on that much. And then, you know, you get an extra hour and a half off so you can go home and breastfeed. So the days were quite short. But what I quite quickly realized was that, for one thing, actually being a mother made me much better at my job. Um, I was much more productive. I would race through my work. I was much better at prioritizing and delegating. And then I'd come home and I'd be with with my daughter. And it was, it was actually a very positive thing. Um, but as she did get a little bit older, when she got to that kind of one-year-old marker I did start to feel like I was missing out 
you know, those milestone moments of the first words and the first steps. And I started to have these kind of haunting thoughts of, you know, could I forgive myself if I wasn't around for that? Yeah, I was trying to kind of recalibrate these two really important facets of my life. When she was about a year old, I resigned and we ended up having a bit of a, a bit of a back and forth about let's see if we can do this job part time um, because I didn't want to do it and I did want the income from it. And I think that's you know something that a lot of working parents perhaps shy away from talking about. But having two incomes is actually very useful. But it was impossible to do a full time job on a part time <laughs> on a part time uh, schedule and you end up doing a full time job for part time salary. Um, so I did try that for a while. And in the end, I went full time freelance. And that worked for a while as well. Um, I became pregnant with my second child. And the 45 days that I was given suddenly looked very generous, because when anyone who's a freelancer listening, will know that when you work for yourself, you really don't stop, you know, you are looking for the work, you're doing the work, you're billing for the work. So I was probably doing quite a bit of work before my second was even a few weeks old. And then through some luck and uh, gumption, um, I ended up doing more and more work in radio and ended up being offered a full-time job there when uh, my second was about a year, yeah, about a year old. So I've now been working full-time for about four, four and a half, five years and it's a juggle. It's a real juggle. One thing I would say, and again, for any audiences who, who's listening here from the UAE or indeed any kind of expat market, um, one huge, huge benefit and something that enabled me to go back to work so early and to go to work so confidently now is the woman who's looking after my children and putting them to bed right now. And that's Loretta, our nanny, who is, she can, might be able to hear me, who is just the greatest gift you know, to our family. And she joined us when I was about eight months pregnant with Phoebe and has been, you know, in our lives ever since. And that is something that I do not take for granted that privilege. I really don't. But it's again, it's, um, it's something else to, to consider when you're a working parent is your choices, you know, is it going to be nursery? Is it going to be having help at home? If you're fortunate enough to live in an area where you've got family and friend support, is it going to be grandparents? And all of the emotional entanglement that comes with that, because it isn't a clean cut solution. You know, if you do have your grandparents helping you, does that then feel like an exchange of service and you feel guilty for it? If it's nursery, what happens if they get sick, which they will all the time. If, if it's um, having help at home, the dynamic of that very personal relationship. I remember when I think maybe our first was a couple of weeks old. Um, my husband saying, well, let's go out for dinner. You know, Loretta's here. And I said, okay, we know that, that'd be great. So we went out for a, a good neighborhood dinner, you know, nothing extravagant. I think we were out of the house for about an hour and a half. And him saying, you know, isn't it amazing to have help and I said you know yeah it is but it's also complicated it's a complicated relationship and I think when you've got those hormones whizzing around your body and I had jealousy of you know that relationship and what potentially that could be I had you know nerves about going back to work and then what kind of evolved over the years is this idea of can you have it all <laughs> and I don't think you can something that I'm kind of making my peace with is that 
there are always going to be ebbs and flows. There might be balance, there might be harmony at times, but there are going to be times when work needs more of your time and attention. And there's certainly going to be probably more times where your family needs more of your time and attention. And those things are never going to coexist in, in perfect 50-50. There's always going to be this, this ebb and this flow and this recalibration and this sense of, am I do I'm doing my best in both of those spaces? And I, I don't really know what that looks like. So, as I said, it's a work in progress. Fantastic, Helen. You raised some uh, great points there and points that I personally and certainly my wife will be able to resonate with. We completely feel the same. And the guilt of going out for a couple of hours, maybe once a month without the children, it, it, it really puts you in a situation where you're not fully relaxed, mm-hmm. you know. And you, um, you, know, you, you highlighted something there about the guilt of, for me, do you ever look back at old photos and think, where has these years gone? All the time. All the time. It's a really common, cheesy cliche, isn't it? You know, you know time flies, the days are long, but the years are short. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, my youngest is six and she's reading books from start to finish now. It's like, it's, in, it's incredible. Um, it's not enough to make me want a third child for what for, for the record. <laughs> but um, it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm just trying to think about if I have any regrets and if I would do things differently, especially in those early years. I think I would have liked to take a longer maternity leave for both of them and really kind of got into that, you know, being that kind of stay at, stay at home mum and, and really, I didn't really have the opportunity to do that that much. But I often think that, you know, our children need our, need our attentions and our time and our expertise and our guidance in different ways as they get older. And I'd be really quite open to doing a maternity leave when they're a little bit older and having, you know, a sabbatical for a few months and being there and, and doing that drop off and that's a great idea i think it, i love that i think it i think it could be really interesting um just need to plug the financial gap for three <laughs> to six months but i think there's this kind of common thing you know you're never going to get that time back but that's the that's the case in careers as well and you know we're having children later and later and it's a, a really frustrating kind of paradox that just as your career is taking off that you know your fertility is going down and where that kind of cross section is is a real pain point for a lot of I was going to say women, but it's not just a lot of families, you know, and I don't want this to be an exclusively, you know, working mum topic because, you know, you, you know, yourself, it's a, it's a juggle for both parties. And I think in some ways my husband would have quite liked to be a <laughs> stay at home dad. I'm glad you addressed that, Helen, because I think sometimes us dads get forgotten about. Totally agree. You know, and um, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, the... the, the you know, the female clock, for example, and the male clock, the, the, you know, we seem to want it all. We seem to want to live the life, travel, have a career mm-hmm. and then settle down and have family when when we're ready. But maybe our bodies have just, you know, and not the, producing what they need to produce. And that's the frustration, isn't it? There's no way of knowing when that's going to happen. And I think it, it's only since I became a parent and started, you know, talking with friends who were parents or were, were trying that you kind of realize just how difficult it can be to get pregnant and stay pregnant and have a healthy baby. And that's that's a, a really tricky topic for a lot of people in terms of the guilt that then comes after that. You know, I don't want to go back to work because this baby is so precious and so wanted or um, we're never going to get this time again. And 
it's it's so multi-layered it it really really is and it wouldn't it be great if you could just have that five-year plan of like we're going to travel here there there we're going to oh, first of all I'm going to f- find the right person at the right time yeah, that's that's <laughs> the that's obviously the easy part and then you must have a magic wand there Helen uh, yeah no, not quite <laughs> but um that, that that's a whole new topic for another day mm-hmm. you know we could really really mean I could talk to you about my own personal experience of that which wasn't easy you know wasn't easy having children but um again that's another topic but we're he- we are here today to talk about the guilt of a working mama you've already addressed some some good points and you have jumped ahead um and already given solutions but before we get into the solutions or things you might have done differently do you have a lowest point that you can recall oh gosh um i wouldn't say specific you know one you know rock bottom but it's more case of things just being punctuated by disappointment you know of feeling like you should be somewhere where you can't and then when you say I can't because of work it just sounds so hollow and meaningless but when you have a boss or you have a responsibility some things are going to be movable and possible and flexible and some things just aren't because that's real life unfortunately um and sometimes when your children can start to articulate their needs or what they want from you that's the stinger and sometimes that guilt comes from you and sometimes children as we know can be master manipulators it can be them you know wanting to make their desires known in a often emotionally clumsy way but it's still the knife still twists in the heart mine now i hope understand why I work and I could list a hundred reasons why I work but primarily it's because it's what I love to do and I truly believe that I it would be like the Hunger Games if I was at home full-time I could really no one would be seeing the best of anybody I'm a better mum because I'm feeling fulfilled by what I do I feel like I'm hopefully a more engaged and interesting partner because I've got this you know, curiosity about the world. And like, you know, when we come back together, having had our own lived experiences, again, two income household, I like to feel financially secure. I like to enjoy life and holidays and pay for shoes for my children, for example. I've had to kind of come to peace with, with, you know, a lot of these things and not even just come to peace, but actually celebrate the fact that I am a, a working woman who is privileged enough to be able to do that, one, leave the home, and two, do something that I enjoy. But yeah, there are moments of guilt, hugely, hugely. Um, my kids always talk to me about why can't you pick us up from school? This is a really big thing in their life. So I drive them to school and they get the bus home. And that's been the case since they went to school at you know age three. I don't think they quite appreciate that if I pick them up from school every day, it really wouldn't be that special. But when I do, it's it's the biggest treat, it's prize. So I've got a couple of days coming off for other work projects during the next next month. And they've they've said, oh, you know, on the fourth and on the twenty second, mummy can pick us up from school. And this is this is a big a big thing for them. I try to communicate to them that I will try my best. I will always try my best. And I think it's also quite exciting for them to come to my workplace. You know, I work in a radio studio. It's it's very unusual to be able to go into that kind of environment. My mum worked in marketing for a, a, like a historic buildings organization in the UK. And I was excited to go to her office you know, just to see where my mum spent her day. So I think for them, it's actually really interesting for them to come kind of 
see where I go when I'm not with them. And I hope they're proud of me. I hope. I've no doubt they are, Helen. And um, obviously you do a great job on your, on your radio show. Helen, you're, you're very present on, um, on social media. And your family have a big impact and big, um, big influence on what you post. What kind of reception do you get? Well, that was never really the plan for it to be a social media thing. So I started writing when my first was about six months old. And I've always been a writer, you know, from writing hugely embarrassing diaries as a tween to, you know, making a living from it. And writing is still how I process a lot of things. I write a diary most days. I write articles freelance. I write mini blog posts on Instagram on a fairly regular basis. And and writing at that point when she was just six months old was really a way of trying to understand what I was going through, this kind of newness and weirdness of motherhood. As I said, this massive identity shift I've been through. And also feeling like there actually wasn't that much content around being a mother in Dubai at that time, especially in a kind of quote-unquote normal way. So, you know, talking about, you know, car seats and clothes that weren't, you know, Chloe, you know, all all this is kind of realistic thing. And that was a real shift in Dubai, I think, about eight years ago, where it stopped being this kind of flashy, it still is a flashy place, but it stopped being only that. We started to have families who were talking about living here in a very normal, sustainable, long-term way. And I felt like if I was, if I wasn't seeing that reflected back at me, then maybe no one else was. And being a writer, I wanted to to put that out there. So I started writing a blog and I I remember vividly where I was sitting in our old house. And I think I paid about $20 on Squarespace to start this website. And then very generously, another mummy blogger, again, using quote unquote, because I really don't like the term, said to me, you know, in order to drive traffic towards that, you know, you really should be on social media and start a Facebook page. And then Instagram was just taking off around this time. And this felt like a natural progression. And because our attention spans are about six seconds long, the, you know, it's quite rare that people will click through to a blog now. So I ended up, I do have st- still have it. And I write long form for other places, but it started to become more of an Instagram meeting place, I suppose, for those me too moments. And I think me being quite visible as a journalist, I, I hope has been quite useful for people as well, um, because I get access to incredible people. I get to speak to people about a whole range of topics, parenting related, education, finance, law, you know, health, whatever it might be. I do share on social media quite a lot. And sometimes, I mean, that's always been what I've enjoyed about being a journalist is that sense of discovery of we've been to this new new place and you need to know it. Or I met this fantastic person and I think you could benefit from hearing what he or she has to say. Or this is happening here or, you know, we traveled there. There's that sense of sharing and, and uncovery, but also those me too moments. And at the minute, I think a lot of content creators, bloggers, whatever you want to say, uh, or maybe they're not, maybe it's just me trying to decide about towing the line of sharing and connection versus holding things back and keeping things, some things private. And I've always had a quite a, a bit of an ick factor about where, where, where's the comfort, you know, where's the, where's the sweet spot. And that would be, you know, I don't, I hope say anything that would humiliate my husband. <laughs> um, I don't say anything I hope that would embarrass my children in 10 years time, apart from the amazing questions that they ask, but that's that's all children. Again, just encouraging conversations about making feel people feel like 
they are seen and not alone on this crazy ride. And for me, that's the most important thing. Of course, it's very humorous. Lots of your posts are very funny. So anyone out there listening, please check out Helen's Instagram page. <laughs> Thank you. But, but it's relatable and it's everything we're trying to achieve in, in all the work I do mm -hmm. with teenagers, with parents, with this show. It's about people being able to relate to real people who's coming, who's experiencing real normal problems and with potential real solutions. Mm -hmm. And I'll use that segue, Helen, to now to be able to jump in and tell us <laughs> what's working for you now um, and what advice do you give to, to people out there listening? When it comes to mum guilt, I mean, guilt is quite a useful emotion sometimes because it does pinpoint something that you need to address emotionally. You know, it, it can pinpoint something that you are perhaps not living aligned to your values. Sometimes, not always understanding about what's you know what's going on there what's what's that feeling is it a sense of i feel like i'm missing out is it a sense i feel like i'm not doing a good job is that guilt just completely pointless and it's not actually rooted in any truth at all so examining the story that you're telling yourself is really really crucial you know am i a bad mum for going to work no of course not do i feel like a bad mum for going to work sometimes yes but what what is What's the truth there? So rationalizing it has been really useful. But on a practical basis as well, um, my my girls are, I don't know if they're listening, are quite competitive for my time and attentions and affections. So I try, I make a really concerted effort to spend one-on-one -on -one time with them where possible. And sometimes it's just five, 10 minutes. Sometimes it's 20 minutes. Sometimes it's an afternoon or an overnight somewhere. Um, but not just having that, but kind of labeling it has been really useful. This was a tip from actually a former guest on the show who we have on a, on a regular basis, Principal Lisa, and she does a lot around behavior and toilet training and eating, and she's just a joy. I said to her off air, Lisa, I'm really struggling with the girls and sibling rivalry and competitive nature around them. And she said, well, try the Magic 20. And I was like, well, what are you talking about? <laughs> so Magic 20 is naming that time. I've just had, this is my eight-year-old saying it's really fun. So Magic 20 is not just enough to say to the kids, oh, let's have 20 minutes. You know, it's like, we've got we've got 20 minutes. We've got our Magic 20. What do you want to do in it? And sometimes it is, well, as you can see from the mess behind me, Lego. Often we love Lego in our house. Um, so it might be, I just want to play Lego with you. Or, you know, can you read me a story? Or can we watch something together? Or can, you know, you can I teach you how to do X, Y, Z? But naming and framing it, I think, makes it much more tangible for children. That's been, I don't want to say game changer, because that's very, very, I'm not going to say that's going to fix everything. But it has been really, really useful. Also being more present. You, you touched on that at the um, earlier on in terms of, I've got it right next to me, the phone. So when I come home, my phone stays in my handbag. I have norm I have been known to sit outside in my car and blast through emails for 10 minutes and reply to things. So nothing's hanging over me when I come in. So when I get in, in an ideal world between walking through the door and the kid's bedtime, the phone is not around. It doesn't always work out that way, but that is the intention. But then I've also got kind of a few non-negotiables as well that make me feel like I'm kind of plugged into the kid's life. And in, in honesty, I do have a busy job. I do have a busy life. But 
I think I'm going to look back at this time and go, do you know what? That was actually pretty sweet because here at schools in the UAE, we start really early. So I'm up with the kids at six. Loretta's there on, you know, packed lunches, you know, trying to have breakfast with them. We're chatting, we're getting ready. It's the usual, you know, crazy, here's your bag. I drive the kids to school and sometimes there's some walloping and arguing in the back of the car. But I'd say for the most part, that's a really lovely part of my day. I really enjoy it. You know, walk them into their class, have some face-to-face time with their teachers and their, you know, their friends, parents, and that kind of sense of school connection, which I think is is really crucial. And then I normally have about an hour before I need to get to work. And in that time, I exercise, I go to the supermarket, the life admin, tomorrow we're taking, our dog just had its toe amputated, so I'm taking him to the vet. You know, I've got this, this time that's for me, sometimes it's a walk on the beach, sometimes it's just come home and just flop. I have work and I just thought driving home today, actually, because I knew I was going to be speaking to you, how lucky I am that I finish work at five o'clock. And unless I've got a pre-recorded interview or a meeting, I am home and through the door by about 20 past five. And that's pretty amazing, to be honest. And with the radio show, there might be some emails in the evening, but generally the work stays in the studio. Um, and that's actually amazing because I know an awful lot of parents who are rushing their kids to bed to open up their laptops again because they are truly juggling, you know, all the way through the evening. So I think I will look back and go, do you know what? It maybe wasn't the most amazing work-life balance that we could all, you know, dream of and wave a magic wonder our lives. But I actually think I'm pretty close right now. And that is not something I take for granted. Fantastic, Alan. You've raised some amazing points there. And just before we go, you had a really funny post yesterday, um, or maybe maybe not even funny, but really important post um, about the, the dreaded, some would say, or the educational, or whatever way you want to describe it, the iPad. Can you the tell our listeners what iPad. that post was all about? Well, it's tied to mother guilt, actually, because iPads have a bit of a bad rap, and sometimes rightly so for being a bit of a digital nanny and you know if you want a bit of quiet time you frisbee an ipad into your child's hands but i think we do forget a lot about just how positive technology can be and i'm certainly not saying that all ipad time is positive time but i think we do need to be a bit more realistic about screen positivity and just how important an integrator is into our children's lives you know we're we've got this amazing resource and we have the power as parents to use that leverage that opportunity so my kids yes they watch garbage i'm not going to sit here and say they don't of course they do but there are some really meaningful um and educational tools for it as well so you know my daughter's really into coding so she does that my other daughter's learning or is supporting her school learning of the piano through the ipad and she kind of likes practicing on it so i'm like if that gets you to practice the piano stick the ipad on i don't mind so Again, I think it's about examining that truth and seeing, is that story I'm telling myself of, my kids are using the iPad again, I mean, I'm a terrible parent. Of like, actually, your kids are doing something that could be incredibly productive or educational or useful for their future. And you can do it together as a family. My daughter was just teaching me how to use something on Roblox yesterday. And she, I could see her, you know, her confidence just absolutely go through the roof because she knew something that I didn't. And that felt like, you know, we kind of unlocked something there in the in the parenting in the parenting space. So for any parents who are feeling guilty about screen time, as long as it is 
intentional as long as you know what they're doing. You know, these are some other kind of ground rules in terms of setting some realistic limits. They're not allowed to use their iPads in their bedroom. You know, it's always in a communal space. And we talk about what they're doing and why. I think, honestly, we just need to be a little bit more realistic about the times we're living in and the times we're going to be living in the future when it comes to navigating that digital landscape together as a family. Very well said, Helen, and a, and a lovely way of reframing it and, and being creative at home with, um, with bringing education and technology. Helen, where can our listeners find you? Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm omnipresent right now. I'm so sorry. Um, so you can hear me. Um, where I'm the one doing the interviewing, not being interviewed. This is not my natural habitat. So you've got me out of my comfort zone today. Um, I host Afternoons with Helen Farmer, as you said, on Dubai I-103.8. That's afternoons from 2 until 5 p.m. And then I'm on social media too. Um, it is just at underscore Helen Farmer underscore. So I uh, would appreciate you guys reaching out there. Thanks, Helen. Helen, look, thanks so much for your time. It was a real honest relatable interview so so well done to you and thank you thank you really appreciate your time pleasure i must say your children are very lucky <laughs> they might not always agree with that i did a little message uh, a little interview with them earlier today i'd seen one of these like conscious gentle parenting blogs earlier and it was like ask your kids what you think you could work on as a parent i was like oh god what are they gonna say and um, I was expecting YouTube and snacks, to be honest. And the older one said, I think you could be a bit more patient. <laughs> and the younger one said, you need to be more of a yes parent, not a no parent. I was like, yeah. I reckon we all get that one. Crikey. I mean, they just want me to say yes to snacks and YouTube. But I, I do take a point, I say. <laughs> so no thank problem. Thank you again. <laughs> Pleasure. Take care, Helen. All the best. Bye bye. So, Kieran, that was Helen, a, a really insightful look at the, the life of the working mother. And it, I thought it was really interesting. That she was just saying, like, actually, you can't have it all. Yeah. What, what's wonderful about Helen, I don't know if it's tactical or it's calculated, but um, she purposely wants to come across normal, which, of course, she is. You know, she's a great person, a great mom and a great lady um, and a celebrity over here in the UAE mm. in Dubai for what she does. But this is the wonderful thing about Helen. She, she, she wants to get across how normal her life is and how challenging her life is and, 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 and relatable to all parents out there. Yeah, I think just because you're in the media or you're, you're on the radio or you have a larger social media presence, you still have the same challenges that everybody else has. And it just reinforces the fact, doesn't it, that Instagram can often just be a filter, can't it? Absolutely. And going back to what I mentioned at the start, this is what Helen does very well. She shows off reality and i think all of us need to be very careful with what we see in social media and what we believe to be true on social media yeah it's those very very true words um it was a great listen another great show uh, just a reminder for people who do want to reach out to us what's the best way to do it uh, instagram is the probably the most busiest platform we're on see at cmb coach mcbrain um, or, or directly on my website um, www.cmbcoachingandtraining.com and all the links to the book the online course the one-to-one -one is all in the show notes Kieran I'll see you next time yeah and just just before we go Andrew you know we're very lucky to get lots of people contact us and, and to be on the show you know we're open to all the stories there's no wrong story once there's um, some kind of 
some kind of path of, you know, we've got our topic, we've got our pain, and we've got our solution. Because the whole passion behind this show, Andrew, as you well know, we want real people learning from real people. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. And I think uh, I think we can all inspire each other. So if anybody has a great story out there, please get in touch. And a final shout out to our sponsors, ISD Sports Science here in Dubai. Kieran, I will see you next time. All the best, Andrew. Thanks so much. Take care, mate. Bye-bye.